Hello, beautiful Kristen Hange. Hello, beautiful Natalie Roy. Good morning. Uh, can I tell you something exciting on the create tip? Absolutely. Well, I checked our create email this morning and I already had a request for my book tour. <gasps> of course you did. They want us to come. want you to come. I, I would only ever want to go where you were going to be. Well, listen, we're going to have a lot of fun wherever we end up. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so exciting. Well, for those of you listening, welcome to the Create Podcast. We are Natalie and Kristen. We're two best girlfriends who like to make art on the planet, talk creativity, talk spirituality, have some fun, have some laughs, flirt with each other like all best girlfriends do, and live our dreams and travel around the world. What's more fun than that? Nothing. So today in Where in the World is Natalie and Kristen, I'm sitting here in my New York Upper West Side brownstone, hanging out in the sunshine. And Natalie's in the cutest little Christmas pajamas that she got from her Christmas commercial. And it was like the most adorable little girl magic. It's really true. And I have a little high ponytail. All the things are happening. Now, Kristen, however, if you want like something completely different, is in Vancouver in a gorgeous hotel room. I can see the cityscape of Vancouver in the background. And she has like wild lioness hair and like a white plushy bathrobe. <laughs> I feel very luxurious this morning. Yes. I look like a little girl who just woke up on Christmas morning and you look like you're from a luxury catalog. Well, the fun thing is I'm at the uh, Sutton Place uh, Hotel in Vancouver and everyone who is filming comes here. Uh, they're put up here when they're working on a TV show or a movie. So it's uh-huh. literally like walking through the lobby and it's all the television stars ever. So it's <laughs> exciting. It's really fun. Um, and you bump into everyone you've ever worked with. So it's, they actually call it, this is the joke, they call it uh, the Slutton Place Hotel because everyone gets really slutty when they come up to Vancouver. Hey now. I know, doesn't that sound like a party? Well, I mean, if you're going to be in Canada and it's going to be cold, that feels like a good idea. (laughs) You've got to warm up somehow. (laughs) I love that. Well, if you're new to this podcast, trust me, it's going to get more interesting. (laughs) Well, we have a really great topic today, and I have to admit that I got really excited about this topic, and it came because Natalie was working with a client, and I heard her going over some notes, and she said this phrase, and when she said it, I was like, wait, hold up, wait a minute, say that again out loud. So Natalie Roy, please take us into the podcast topic. Well, the podcast topic today is Where does getting it right impede my freedom? I mean, could you die? (laughs) Right now, go, oh, oh, thank you for that. There's a lot of different ways we can approach this topic from, but I'm sure the wheels in your own personal life head are already spinning in terms of where in life do I sacrifice my freedom, my intuition, my creativity, a possibility I haven't yet thought of because I'm so busy trying to just get it right or trying so hard to be what I think someone else needs me to be or do what I think the right thing is to do. And I was talking to a client about this in terms of actually prepping for an audition. And I was saying that as an artist, there are so many instincts in your body that when you pick up a script or you pick up a character, there's just all these ideas flowing through you. 
And we immediately will cut ourselves off from those instincts and ideas to say, well, how's the right way to do this scene? How's the way I think the casting director wants me to do it? You know, how can I go in and get it right? And so we actually shut down all of our creative spark and impulse to try to people please or to try to face this imaginary thing of getting it right. Now, this the thing of getting it right is already imposed upon us. It's not from within us. So all of a sudden, we start serving an outside master instead of the master of our own intuition. And that's when all the juice goes away. And we can see that we can also do this, for example, in raising kids, right? Maybe you're raising a child and you're having an issue and all of a sudden, all these people want to tell you the right way to raise this child. And maybe that was what worked for them, but you have this new being that's never been on the planet before. And there's no rule book for this particular child that's never been here before. And if anything, that child has within it the wisdom and instinct of how it needs to be raised. And so, the quote unquote right way to do it is getting into that instinct and intuition and dialogue from the inside out, as opposed to trying to serve this outside master of what is right. Yeah. And if you think about it, all the artists that ever made something great on the planet or inventors, all the revolutionaries came to bring something new on the planet that has never been here before, which means they were doing it not from the status quo, but from an instinct and an inspiration that came from within. So when you're following someone else's rules, when you're trying to get it right by the world's standards, you're actually missing the opportunity to be the vehicle or the vessel for the new thing that wants to be born on this planet. And I had this really awesome client last week, and she's a writer. And I was like, well, what do you want to write next? And she's like, well, I have this really fun idea, but I don't think, I think I have to write that in like 10 years. And I was like, well, well, why? Is it the most exciting one? And she's like, oh yeah, it's really exciting and terrifying, but it's where my heart is. I'm like, oh, well then that's where we go. If that's where your heart is, if that's where the juice is, let's go there. And she goes, well, just, I don't know if it seems like the responsible thing to do next. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, you're working with the right person then. And I was like, so we went into it deeper. And it turned out she came from a background where she was raised to be a good little girl who did the right thing. And she was like, you know, I was actually taught that if something felt like fun, it, it, was, it was irresponsible to do it. Whoa. So I, I've been doing what I thought I should do, which is the world standards, as, a, as opposed to listen to the joy and the life within. And I said, okay, if the joy in the life within is spirit talking to you, then you've been, trained the vo- you've been betraying the voice of spirit and you've cool. been betraying your internal voice. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is all about self-betrayal. Anytime I don't choose the new thing that is coming through me, the thing where the energy in the life is, I'm actually choosing self-betrayal. Wow. Isn't that so intense and cool and awesome? Well, that is so juicy. And it reminds me of a conversation, a really cool conversation we were having about the word responsibility. And my word for this year was actually responsibility. And I had resistance to even choosing the word because then it felt like obligation. It kind of felt like uh, the things I have to do or I should do. Like there's something in the word responsibility that kind of feels like a chore, right? right? 
And we were talking about what if we could reframe, I mean, the word responsibility, if you break it down, is our ability to respond, which actually is freedom. Right. It's not actually about an obligation. It's about, I have an ability to respond to this stimulus, to this life circumstance. I have the ability to respond to this trigger, to whatever is coming up, to the lack of money in my bank account. I have the ability to respond to my own choosing. It is not just that I'm a reactor of reality. I'm a creator of reality and I create reality by my responses. So we were talking about reframing the word responsibility to responsiveness. And there's something that felt more juicy about responsiveness. It felt more free that my responsiveness to life that just feels like, ooh, now I'm co-creating something. Now I'm stepping into my power in a different way. And that doesn't come out of an obligation or a should. Like I should do this idea even though I want this idea. I get to be responsive to the most juicy idea inside my heart. I get to be responsive to whatever my body tells me, go here. This would be the most fun. Right. It's a creative act. So in just in realizing in this moment, whatever life is giving me, I get to make something and I, and I show it through my actions. So my actions, even my attitude, all of it are acts of creation and they're powerful acts of creation. And you and I were having this conversation the other day where I was like, oh, it's like something that you give yourself. And I was talking to you about how power is something that you give yourself. Yeah. So the the vision that came to me is like, it's like a suitcase inside of me that I can choose to open up and I give it to myself. Just like, you know, I believe that we give our feelings of prosperity to ourselves or our feelings of success to ourselves. All of those, the decision to empower ourselves is a creative act and it comes from within. Mm. And when we look at that phrase, getting it right, it, I always think like, well, who defined right to begin with? Exactly. It's like a made up thing. It's a made up thing. Like who, the patriarchy, their idea of right? I don't want to do that. Like, like, does it feel like someone one day said, like, I, I love actually, Adam Shadyak did this awesome documentary called I Am. And in this documentary, he talks about how um, in Darwin's, book, you know, where they quote the survival of the fittest within that book, he talked about survival of the fittest, that concept, that idea twice, but he talked about community and love and expansion like 92 times, but someone somewhere picked up this book and went, Ooh, survival of the fittest will help people like me get further ahead. So let's pretend all the other stuff that was said in that book didn't exist. And I'm going to make this book only about this one concept. And then I'm going to build a whole story about this concept and get everyone on board with it. And so now all of a sudden we find ourselves ourselves in a culture that lives in competition based on this notion of survival of the fittest that just somewhere along the line, someone or a group of people said, let's pick this one because this one works best for us. Right, exactly. And it's that idea of like, hey, it's all made up. And right. you can make up anything you want. So you might as well make up something that's fun, something that feels good. And I can... <laughs> Right? It's like, I also get really interested. There's lots of self-love in permission. Mm. As in, I have the opportunity to explore. 
to play. Like I'm a kid in a playground wondering what the slide is like. So I'm going to go get on that slide and see what it's like. Ooh, okay. I got what that's like. Now I'm going to try going down the slide a different way. All right. Now I'm going to go down the slide upside upside down. As in, if this whole world is a playground, what if we just get to explore? And what if giving ourselves permission to explore is the biggest act of self-love and when we're operating out of that place of it's okay to mess it up, it's okay to put paint on the walls, it's okay to try something to see what it's like, all of a sudden we have created a bigger canvas for ourselves. And in that place of exploration, something new could come through that has never been before. Exactly right. So let me tell you how I've been playing with this this week because it's in like a really specific way that I think could be relatable is I have been noticing how the routine and schedule that I give myself is a version of me trying to get it right. And it takes away my own freedom. So this idea of I wake up in the morning, I do my morning practice. I do my meditation. Then I do my workout. Then I come home. Then I do my emails. Then I do, you know, clients, auditions, whatever. There's a routine. There's a structure there. And When I created that structure, from the place I was in that I created that structure, it felt like a juicy, good structure. It felt like these are all things that will make me feel good and support me living my best life. And so this feels like a good structure. But every day I wake up, I may or may not be in alignment with that structure that day. And I have to give myself the permission, the freedom to explore if that structure is is there for my benefit or is there for rigidity to keep me out of my freedom. So just this week, since I flew back from LA, I noticed my body just feeling very tired. So I woke up the day after LA, you know, I woke up at five, like I normally do. And I did my practice and I went to some meetings and I did all my things. And then that whole day, I could just feel my body talking to me. Like it was almost like there was a little bit of a sickness knocking at the door of my body and I could feel it. I could feel that it wanted to come in. So the next morning when I woke up at five, I thought, well, instead of doing all the things I normally do, I actually think what my body wants is just to have a bath. Yeah. Who has a bath at five in the morning, but I just really wanted a bath. So I went and I put that Epsom salts and I listened to a meditation and I had my bath and I fell asleep in the bathtub. And then I, I kind of woke up and said, Oh, my body wants to go back to bed now. But the voice in my head that wanted to get it right and fulfill the duties of my schedule was like, well, no, you have to, even my self-care practice, which is supposed to be for me, it it became like something rigid that I had to accomplish, right? And I thought, no, what my body is asking for is to go back to bed. So I went back to bed to like 10.30, which I never do. It is so rare behavior for me. And I just woke up and again, it was like this little sickness was knocking. And I was like, well, I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to flow through my day. So I just kept doing whatever felt good. And then it was like, maybe a yoga class. Yeah, that would be nice. And I'll go do. So for the last like three days, I haven't done anything on my schedule that I was supposed to do. Yay! And I woke up this morning and whatever that little sickness was is completely outside of my body. Like it is completely gone. 
I just feel completely renewed in my wholeness. And I was like, oh, so I can notice how even I have a schedule that I have set for myself that I want to get right, that I want to execute like a good girl, like the perfectionist in me wants to check all the boxes of the things that I set out for myself to do. There's no judge out there judging if I did it or not. It's just my own internal judge. But there was even... I couldn't even give myself permission to let myself off the hook for things that I had set for myself. So how is it that we can let ourselves off the hook for things that parents, lovers, children, authority figures, uh, those in power, our bosses have set for us. So we have to start knowing and noticing where trying to get it right is not only impeding our freedom, but causing us to feel run down causing us to not listen, causing us to get into sickness, causing us to get into suffering that we don't need to be in, causing us to get into poverty, right? There are all kinds of ways that when we don't honor that internal listening, it's not just that we sacrifice our freedom, but we also get into all the stuff that the chains of not having freedom will bring. Yes. And I can't help but think about that responsibility to the deep listening within that Structure, we all know, is important. But inside structure, there's a moment-to-moment listening. It's the intimate call of your spirit. And it has really good ideas for you. It's that internal direction. You know, I love to talk about there being a compass in the middle of our heart that is directing us moment by moment. So before we enter into any encounter, we can just like drop into our heart and say, what do I want to create in this next moment? And usually a really fun question is, what might feel good, like you are doing to yourself in this next moment? What might be fun? So then we bring that question of creation into our moment by moment reality. And that starts giving us a new way to play. I almost think sometimes like asking that question, how do I want to, how do I want to play now? What would feel good now? What would be fun now is a way that we allow the good things of life to come to us. Like just by asking the question, we've given it permission to enter. Exactly. And I also want to say that if someone is listening and they're like, okay, awesome for you freelance people that you can just like not follow your routine for that day. But I have to be at my job at 9am every day. And if I don't show up, then I get fired. So like, what do I do with that? And I think the thing is, is you listen for what the solution is, Mm -hmm. right? So if your body is telling you, I need something, and it seems like the structure of your life is making that thing not possible, then you have to know that there's another way that you haven't thought of yet. Then, well, then there's another way that, that you can give your body what it wants and needs. And so that's the creativity. That's the freedom that wants to come up in you of like, you don't just not listen because you think the solution is impossible. You listen so a new solution that you never thought was possible before can be revealed. That's exactly right. It's actually, this is a game that's most fun to play when you think that you're limited. Like when you think you're stuck, then this is exactly the game you play. Like the last two days I've been in editing, which if I'm going to be honest, is not exactly always where I want to be. It's like, it was like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. in a dark, small little room with one other person. And it's so like tedious to look at the same thing over and over and over again in different ways, right? 
But then the creative act becomes always, how does this moment become fun? Mm -hmm. And I found little ways just by like making my editor laugh or we would get into like deep conversations as we were working or I'd say, oh, time for a dance break (laughs) or be silly all day long as an invitation to bring that spirit into what we were doing. And mostly I was doing it to entertain myself. Mm. So often I, I don't know that we empower ourselves to entertain ourselves. Oh, I love that. It's like we get to be like the stand-up comic of our own life, constantly entertaining ourselves and trying on jokes. Like, but don't shh and see if, see if we think it's delightful, right? Yes. And it's like a real trial and error thing of like half the time we're like, get that comic off the stage. <laughs> They're not funny at all. But then half the time you're like, hey, that was really funny. I'm cracking myself up over here. Right. It's an experiment. Every, so if everything becomes an experiment, and is this delightful? And you're, you're really a magician if you bring that into things that don't look delightful, like taxes, <laughs> right? Yes. arguments with your loved one or <laughs> things that, that actually look like challenges that you can bring that, the comedian spirit, right? In <laughs> those places. Well, I really love that because you know, a comedian on a set, they're actually going completely into the unknown. They don't know what audience they have. They know what jokes they want to tell, but they don't know what room they're walking into. So there has to be a level of like freedom and improv and going with the flow and being present to the moment that makes a really great comedian. And so in our own life, anytime we're trying to get something right, we're always stopping that impulse for that improv, that thing that can come out of the moment that we didn't expect that could be delightful. I mean, I actually remember this one day, you and I were going to a spin class and we had this routine where we always, you know, got up together, had a coffee, went to the spin class and then got green juice smoothies. And I think one day you said to me like, hey, do you wanna go have brunch after spin class? And like my immediate instinct was to actually say, well, no, because we always get green smoothies after spin class. And I was like, well, I'm noticing the place inside myself that has shut down any other possibility because I'm in the habit and routine of the green smoothie. But actually, if I listen to the internal listening, brunch sounds like an awesome idea. How fun. And my habit and routine of trying to get right the specific things I always do over and over actually cut me off from the freedom of even imagining another possibility. That is exactly right. We have to be willing to risk getting it wrong. That all the great inventors and performers, like the directors I admire, take huge risk in the movies they make. So perhaps risk at being willing to to land on our face, right? I think of comedians who get up there and they just go for it and it could horribly fail or it could be magical. I actually have a little story of risk if you want to hear it. It's a fun one. Always. I'm on my way to Vancouver. I'm at the airport. And you know me, at the airport is a place that I love to make for joy. And I'm just having fun. I'm going through the uh, metal detector thing. I love, when they want to frisk me down, I say, oh, please. <laughs> and the guy behind me was just like delighted by my joy. And he was like, you are having so much fun. And we start talking and I, and I could kind of tell he, he wanted to flirt with me a little bit, like, but he, he, uh, 
the, but it was really sweet. And I said, well, what were you doing in California? And he goes, well, I was in San Diego at a men's leadership conference. I was like, tell me everything. He's like, well, it's a group of men getting together to like go into the core values of what you want to be for on the planet. I was like, well, tell me more. And he's like, yeah, we had to take like, um, be, be willing to risk. And he was telling me one of the exercises is they went to a public mall and you had to get up on a bench and like preach basically anything, like talk about anything on a bench um, publicly out loud and like, and then like ask people if they would eat lunch with you. Like you had to do all these different things just to up your ability to take chances in the world and see how that makes your reality bigger. Wow. And, then, and then he's like, by the way, would you like to uh, eat dinner with a stranger? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. And he's like, okay. So he was all delighted. And he's like, do, he's like, I'm a chef. So do you mind if we um, read on the menus? Cause like, I'm a little like, uh, you know, certain things I'm looking for. I'm like, absolutely. So we had fun. It was like a little game going to all the five different restaurants at the terminal. And he's like, you know your way around this terminal. And I was like, oh yes, I should do. Um, and <laughs> Anyways, we sit down and we start talking. I was like, well, what's your passion as a chef? And he starts telling me he has a business called Sacred Kitchen, and he likes to build sacred experiences through food as a way of building community. And I was like, of course you do. Of course you do. Like the universe is always def uh, arranging these beautiful get-togethers, these mm. beautiful rendezvous. And so you have to follow that spirit within that says, hey, talk to that person. Hey, say yes. You know, there's that internal listening that will tell you if, if uh, something is a dangerous situation or if something is a safe situation. And there's a way that you can like listen internally that tells you what are the risks worth taking that are going to have a bigger benefit. Oh, that is so beautiful. Of course you found that circumstance. Like, of <laughs> course, because you're open to that, right? And when we, whatever we open ourselves to, life will give us evidence to show us what we're opening ourselves to, right? Whatever we're embodying, life will reflect back to us through the hologram of life, exactly that thing. So because you were in play and open-heartedness and like willing to connect, of course that that beautiful connection came in your way. And of course, when we're at the airport thinking we're gonna be late and oh, I hate airports and I hate having to take my shoes off and then you're gonna attract something different. You just are. Like I love that. That's like a perfect circumstance. And what also I love about this is I remember my chiropractor once told me it was something about the bones and I'm gonna totally butcher it. But if podcast listeners are interested, I will research and find out this exact thing, but here's the energy of it. The way that the spine is built is our very, very top vertebra, the C1 vertebra, is the one that allows our head to say the yes motion, the nod of the yes. And the second one is the one that allows us to turn our head to say no. And I love that our body is designed to say yes first. Oh. I just love that anatomically, we are meant to accept before we reject. But I feel like when we come in as kids, we want to say yes to everything. Like when someone says, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like an astronaut and a baker and a teacher and a chef. And a, like, I want to be everything. Like, why would I choose one thing? And then there's something about life that chooses us that, that the circumstances of our life, we start saying no. 
And, and then no becomes the first thing, right? Like we start with saying that's not why that's not a good idea. The idea comes in our heads and most of us say, well, here's why I'm not right for this idea. As opposed to the yes of the idea. Oh, if this idea showed up, it must be for me. Let me say yes to it and then see what happens. But it's interesting to notice that our that our natural instinct is a yes. It is affirmative. It is action-based. It is uh, an expansive opportunity. That's what freedom is. Freedom is the expansion of the yes, the ability to say yes to whatever we want. And so there's something in thinking we won't be able to get this thing right that causes the no, or Mm. I'm not the right vessel for this that causes the no. So that's where there's another iteration of this conversation of how the getting it right will always impede the natural yes that wants to come through us. And over time, it becomes so habitual that the no begins to feel like the first instinct. Yeah. What would happen if we started with, I'm already right. I'm, I'm all right already, I think is something Michael Beckwith says all the time. Right. Um, like if it showed up inside of you, then you're the right vessel for it. Exactly. The universe doesn't make mistakes. You know, does anyone think, like, if you look at, like, some of your favorite authors and the things that they've created, like, does anyone think Elizabeth Gilbert wasn't the right person to write Big Magic? Right, exactly. Like, it's pretty obvious, yeah, she was the right vessel for that, right? So why would, if you get an idea and it came to you, like, if the universe could pick, I'm going to give this idea to Elizabeth Gilbert or give it to you, and they gave it to you, don't you think that's already proof that you're the right one? It's like, whoa, the universe, trust me. The universe thinks I'm magnificent. The universe knows I got the goods. That's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I feel like if our listeners go, I think I want to start to play with this. um, You can start just with your day and go, what's like one new thing that might want to happen today? And just be in listening for when you get a new impulse, like listening for the impulse and like learning to listen for that download is the muscle that make, that opens you up into your your expansiveness. And on the tip of Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks a lot about uh, curiosity, follow your curiosity. So in your journal, you can just make a list of what am I curious about right now? Yeah. And I will notice that if I really start listening to my impulses, they're often very silly. Oh yeah. And they're often very nonlinear. And so I know that that's a gateway to my creativity. So if I'm standing in line at Starbucks and all of a sudden I get an impulse to pay for the coffee of the person in front of me or to give a compliment to the person beside me, nine times out of 10, if we get that impulse, we don't notice we have it. Or if we do notice we have it, we decide to not act on it. But what if you just spent one day saying whatever impulse I get, I'll act on. Unless it it will cause danger or harm to someone. Like if you get the impulse to like go and hit someone, then like, let's say that that's not an impulse to, we'll take that one off the table. But what if you allowed yourself to say just for one day only, if an impulse comes up, I will say yes. I love that. And then it gives you an opportunity to look at where you've created limitations. All of a sudden, you're just going to watch your own internal dialogue and go, oh, look what I took off the table from the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I love sometimes just taking a day for uh, wandering. Yeah. 
just so I can listen to that internal impulse is go, when, I, when there's space and I can just listen, where am I being inner, innerly directed yeah. to the right step? Yeah. What's waiting for me? Like, it's like having a little dialogue with spirit. Ooh, what adventures do you want to take me on? Ooh, you've got something so good for me. And I'm going to listen so I don't miss a trick. And we all know that when you do something for the first time, it's never as polished or as quote unquote good as when you've become a master at something. Like the first time John Lennon ever picked up a guitar, it did not sound the way it sounded towards the end of his life, right? So I do think that sometimes we don't want to follow the impulse because we know we can't get it right. Like if this is something you've never done before, it's for sure not going to be right. It's for sure not going to be well executed. But that's why you must do it. You must get it wrong with fervor. You must get it wrong with like all the energy in your body so fully that you see what else is possible. Yeah, allow the crudity, right? That first impulse crudity of the messy and the dirty. There's so much good and uh, permission in that. I think there's, and you and I have talked about this before, about like the pressure to like look good on the outside. Yeah. And how all of that is so connected to outcome. Yeah. Us trying to control the outcome, trying to control uh, appearances. And in doing that, we're not plugged into a deeper self-love that is about an expansion that we've never seen before. Expansion always implies that there's new territory And as we go into the new, right, the birth of something is going to produce a bit of chaos. Always. We can handle it. Like, as you were dismantling your life and creating this brand new life, (laughs) I feel like you got really good at creating space for the chaos. Oh, yeah. To the point where now I welcome it with such open arms that when I'm in chaos, I I can already feel the miracle on the other side of it. Wow. It's like, ooh, I'm in such chaos. Ooh, life is so messy. Ooh, I feel my fear coming up so big. Ooh, I feel like I can't handle it. Oh, man, this is going to be so good on the other side. Mm-hmm. New life is here. New life is here. So it's almost like let's not be afraid of the chaos or the fear that it brings up or the old systems that start to crumble away as we go into the new, as it comes up and we think we can't handle it, we just focus on the new thing that we can't see that uh, where there is a birth happening. You really have been fearless in the dismantling of your life and allowing a new thing. And I just feel like right now someone is listening who's going through the pain and the fear of a new place they've never been before and they can't see the miracle on the other side. And um, I have a desire. Will you speak to that person right now? If someone's listening to this and they're like, oh man, I'm I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of, uh, I allowed myself to go into new territories and now it just looks like a shit show. Help. Yeah. Well, I can say from my own experience, there was very good reason to keep myself small and safe because I built a life where I would never have to face some major, major fears. The major fear of people not liking me, people being mean to me, people hurting me, 
because they disagreed with who I was as a human being on the planet, that I would be so shamed for being who I was that I really believed I couldn't handle that. And so I built a life where I would never have to handle that. And I really believed that I would never be the kind of person who could have financial abundance. I really believed that was off the table for me. I believed I grew up where I didn't witness that a woman like me could ever have that kind of authority and autonomy and, and mastery over money. It just felt too far away from the girl who grew up in a trailer park. I just felt like it was off the table for me. So I built a life where I didn't even want those things because I felt like I couldn't have them. And I built a life where I thought the anxiety inside of me is too big. And if I live a really big life, it will come up in such a big way that it'll overwhelm and destroy me and destroy the people I love. So let me just keep myself small enough so that I can control it. And then I won't hurt anyone else. And even though I'm hurting myself in all my dreams, at least no one else will get hurt. And that was the old life that I built. And so if you're in any of those places or any other places that I haven't described where you've built a life to keep yourself small enough where those things you're really, really afraid of, they, they feel like they will kill you if they come up into the light. I just want to say, through doing enough of this work and these tools, it stopped being a choice. Mm. And there was a point where I couldn't help but take the next step forward. And it didn't feel like a risk anymore. It felt like my life depended on dismantling it. Mm -hmm. And every step of the way, everything that I feared would happen, did. I got shamed. I got kind of beat up on. Um, I I found myself sleeping on Kristen's couch for many months because I didn't have money. All the things I was scared of came, but the one thing that never came was my ability to not handle it. Every step of the way, the ability to handle it came to meet me and miracles came to meet me. And the faith that built inside of me, because every time I thought there's no way out of this, the universe would provide something I could have never imagined. A miracle would come in so big that I couldn't have ever imagined. And who I got to become in that process was so much bigger than I ever knew myself to be that then jobs and money and opportunity and love came flooding to the new person that I was living as. And none of this came through me doing any of it right. I did all of it the most wrong anyone could ever do. I made every mistake and I hurt people and I hurt myself. And it ended up being in the absolute highest good for everyone involved. And it ended up exploding my life into one that is so unrecognizable that when I look back on that person, I just want to take her by the hand and say, just jump. Just jump because no matter how scary it feels, no matter how much you feel like it will kill you, the only thing that will be killed is the part of you that thinks you're not enough and the part of you that thinks you can't do it. And so let's kill that part so you can know who you really are. That's it. Natalie, thank you for that unbelievable gift. I can feel all of the hearts that just went, ah, oh. could breathe a little bit deeper. 
uh, it is a brave, brave thing to stand for what you know is calling you. And I've seen you do that again and again and again and again. And I can feel our listeners listening to this and there is something that has been calling them and they're being taken into territories they've never been before. And there's a constant invitation to say, (laughs) do I go back? Do I get smaller? But it's actually, there's that responsibility or the responsiveness to the part of us that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that we know that we can. There is something that is being birthed inside of every single one of us that will leave us all in all, all in awe. (laughs) And that is what we're taking a stand for. Yeah. And all in all. And all in all. All in all. We do this together and it's not just a personal journey. It's a universal one. And as you dismantle this story of who you have to be and how right you have to get it, you are going to give every single person in your life, even the ones who get really triggered by it, especially the ones who get really triggered by it, you're giving everyone permission to do the same. That's right. Oh, beautiful. I'm so grateful. All the joy, all the love. Thank you, Create Podcast listeners. I know, that was so fun. Um, That was fun. Podcast listeners, you've been reaching out to us a lot recently on like social media and in our email, um, on our Facebook page. And it's just really exciting to feel you as a community. Uh, Every time one of you reaches out and just says, it's so great to have uh, you and Natalie in my ears. um, It means the world to us to know that you're there and that we're all on this journey together as a family, as a tribe. So just want to say Uh, supreme gratitude to you uh, for being here with us and for sharing this work that we're doing with the people that you love. Thank you so much. And if you're not on our Create Facebook page, please come join it. Uh, We love hanging out there and being in community there. It's create as an acronym, c.r.e.a.t.e, Create Community Facebook page. Please join us there or come to thecreateseries.com and join our mailing list. You can find out. We actually have some really exciting things coming up in the new year. So join our mailing list so you find out about all the good things coming up. And Send us your ideas. If you have podcast topics, we would absolutely love to serve you in what you want to know most about and hear most about. So thank you for being our friend. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing, who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community.